We go to the letters to the church in Rome, to Romans this morning, to the 8th chapter, beginning in the 12th verse. Now, this is Paul writing again, and we talked, when we talked about 1 Timothy, we talked about Paul's uh, pastoral letters, Paul writing to his individual disciples saying, as your pastor, this is what I expect of you. And Romans is a congregational letter. It is written to a church, the church at Rome. So maybe these days it might be written to the church at 360 Peachtree Street. The letter to the Romans has been called the opus of Christian theology. What does that mean? If you want to know what Christians believe, read the letter to the Romans. It lays out the ins and outs of what we believe about God what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, and what we believe about God's people. So we're going to Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. And we usually hear bits and pieces of this at funerals. But today is not a funeral. Today is about glory. So don't you see, people of God, that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent. There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch right there. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go with the good times with him. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in 
until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We are also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful in our expectancy. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, here we are to worship, here we are to bow down, here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy and our holy God. So fall fresh on us, speak to our hearts, O oh Lord, we've come expecting a word from you. Hide this, your servant, behind that old rugged cross. So that everything that is said and everything that is heard comes straight from you. This is your servant's prayer. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Paul is trying to tell the Romans that in this life there will be trouble. Just because you said yes to Jesus does not make your life easy breezy. He's telling the Romans that you are going to have to work hard at this with Jesus life because other people will expect that the resurrection took all your pain away and you are supposed to just be riding on a Vespa through life with your hair in the wind. But that's not the promise that God gave us. The promise is that there will be suffering in this life. The promise is that there will be trouble in this life. The promise is that the going will get rough and the going will get tough. That sometimes there'll be bumps in the road that turn your alignment out of whack and you have to go into the dealership and get the car realigned and get your life realigned because you hit that speed bump too fast. A more traditional translation of the Bible, the New Revised Standard Version, updated version, puts it this way. Paul speaking here. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. 
I consider that the suffering I'm going through right now. I consider that the bumps in the road I'm hitting right now. I consider that the things that are making us afraid right now. I consider that the hard things right now are nothing compared to what God is about to do. So some might say that while you are in your suffering season, that you are an underdog for Jesus. You didn't hear me this morning. Some might say, Miss Mary, that while you are going through some hard things, some might say that when it's hard to get up in the morning and push through the things of life, that you are an underdog, that you are under... <laughs> the Holy Spirit. And, and that while you are under the Holy Spirit, you are learning some things so that you are prepared for what is ahead. You are prepared for the joy that is ahead. You are prepared for the healing that is ahead. You are prepared for what you, the blessing that you are about to receive. You are prepared for the people that are about to be walking around on this campus. You are prepared for the children that will be educated here. You are prepared for the glory that God is about to give you. For in hope, the scripture says, we are saved. Now, hope that is seen isn't worth anything. Because if you see it, it's not hope, it's just what's standing in front of you. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience and the Spirit intercedes. <sighs> Y'all gonna make me work hard today. The longer we wait, the longer we suffer. the more joyful we can expect God's blessings to be for us. It's antithetical to the American way. You get what you get, you, get, you work hard, you earn hard, you get what you get, and it sets you apart from everybody else, and it's joy. But God says... The longer you suffer, the greater the glory. Ouch. Ouch. What you haven't learned about Alberto yet, in, in Luca, is that Alberto is an abandoned orphan. 
everything that he's teaching Luca, he has learned on his own. And sometimes he's wrong. He's learned to take care of himself. He's learned to be by himself. He's learned to suffer by himself. He's learned to provide for himself. He's all alone in the world until he meets Luca. And when Luca starts to be really good friends with Julia, and he starts to learn some things that are antithetical to what Alberto taught him, some problems happen. Watch this. Where's Alberto? Uh, he left, Signor Arcovaldo. Do you know where he went? Uh, no, but I don't think he wants anyone looking for him. Uh, maybe not, but just in case. Okay, well, the two of us can still do the race. You'll swim, you'll eat, you've done both before, Luca, and, I, and I'll do the ride. I mean, that's that's allowed, right? Luca, it, it should be fine. Luca! We're still okay. Luca! Oh. Oh. Oh, sleeping under the fish, now I get it. I, I can explain. Of all the places for sea monsters to visit, Puerto Rosso? Have you seen this town? My father hunts sea monsters. Luca, we'll have to get out of here. But I thought we were underdogs. Do you think I want you to leave? This is the happiest I... Look, it's just not worth it. You don't understand. No, I don't. Risking your life for a Vespa? My parents were gonna send me away. That's why we did all of this. But it's over now. <sighs> Goodbye, Julia. I'm sorry. What are you doing here? I'm... I'm sorry. I, I never should have done that. I wish I could take it back. Yeah, whatever. You're sorry. Now just go away. Alberto, what are those marks on the wall? Tell me what they mean. I started when my dad left. You were living here alone for that many days? I just stopped counting after a while. He said I was old enough to be on my own. 
I just thought that maybe he'd change his mind. Honestly, though, I get it. He's better off without me. You are too. That's not true. Yes, it is. You're not like me. You're the good kid. And I'm just the kid that ruins everything. Silenzio Bruno. That's just a dumb voice in your head. You taught me that. And getting a Vespa, seeing the world- Just let it go, okay? Look, you and I should have never been friends in the first place. Don't say that, Alberto. Get out of here. I'm not going to tell you again. Okay, I'll go. I'll go win the race. What? Yeah. Yeah. And then the Vespa will be ours. And we'll run away together. Luca, that's crazy. Well, maybe I'm crazy. Take me. Gravity! Luca! What are you doing? I'm okay. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm gonna fix this. What if God allows us to suffer? What if God allows us to be the underdog in a season in our life so that we might inspire and transform other people's lives? What if your suffering is not about you? What if your suffering doesn't have anything to do with you, but it is a setup for the transformation of those around you? See, you're busy holding your stuff to yourself. You're busy keeping secrets. You don't want anybody to see what's going on in your life. You, won't, you don't want anybody to get an idea that things aren't perfect in your life and in your household and on your job and in your church and in your bank account and with your family. We want people to see a version of what is going on instead of the truth of the matter that might literally change somebody else's life? What if your suffering exists to set your neighbor free? What if your suffering exists to remind those who have cancer that God is still in the healing business? What if your suffering exists so that somebody will keep applying for that job? What if your suffering exists so that somebody will lean in with their child that's driving them upset and making and making sticking with that kid so that they might experience abundant life? What if your suffering isn't about you? Luca didn't know anything about life. He learned everything that he thought he knew about being human from Alberto. And what he didn't know about Alberto was that Alberto was homeless by himself and just trying to make it. He didn't have anybody with him or anybody for him. He could have curled up and died. But instead, when he encountered Luca, he said, I'm going to take my mess and pour some things into you and God said, I'm going to take Alberta's mess, plus what he's poured into Luca, 
and I'm going to put them together and together they're going to make it and together they're going to be transformed and together they will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. It's not a terrible thing to be an underdog because people's expectations are quite low. And when people's expectations are low, God does God's best work. Luca leaves Alberto and he's determined to take the gifts that Alberto gave him and to put them to work. Marini, give me that. Oh. 
Julia, are you all right? Yeah, I, I, I'm okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <gasps> Julieta. Papa, I... Look at that. You're not going anywhere. Come on. I saw them first. The reward is mine. We're not afraid of you. No, but we're afraid of you. Everyone is horrified and disgusted by you because you are monsters. Stop! They're not monsters! Oh, yeah? Who are they, then? I know who they are. <laughs> they are Luca and Alberto. And... They are the winners. Sometimes God allows us to be underdogs so that when we get with our brothers and sisters who have been suffering and have begun to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, we can get together with them and they can get together with us and we can see dead smack in front of our faces with our very human eyes that God is at work, that all is well, that we are indeed not what somebody else called us, but what God called us. We are not underdogs, but we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. But you have to do the work. You have to be willing to suffer. But you don't suffer as underdogs. You suffer as conquerors who know what happens next. The scripture said this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's a life of expectation always asking the question, what's next, God? So who are you going to be? Who will you be? Will you suffer with God and move from underdog to winner? Or will you fight the whole way? Having to have your way. Having to be the fixer. Having to have all the answers. Hiding from those who have been there before and can help you through. Willing to show your scale. And who you really are. Willing to silence your fear, Bruno. And be who God has called you to be. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.